Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What a week to be a wrestling fan. Another one. I feel like we're opening every show with that. Oh, what an amazing week. But they have been amazing weeks, man. Ever since this draft, a lot of weeks have gone by. There's always stuff to talk about in the world of wrestling, and that's why this podcast is so good. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. This is the podcast done by a wrestling fan for wrestling fans. I'm Sam Roberts, and not only am I the last professional broadcaster, but I'm a fan of wrestling. I have been all my life, and I continue to be to this day. And as I watch Raw, and I watch SmackDown, and... I watch Impact when I have time. I watch all the shows. All the shows. And they're not making me not a fan. You know what I mean? I can see what's going on. Especially, I'll tell you, Raw, far and away, has become the best wrestling show on TV. Fact is, for a while, NXT was the best wrestling show on TV. Raw is good right now. We'll get into all that in the state of wrestling because there's a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the differences between Raw and SmackDown, the way they're presented, and... I want to talk about uh, the, the roles of general managers and what's going on with guys like Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley. But before we get into any of that, we'll get into the interview. Now, last week's interview, I'm so glad. It was fortuitous. Uh, I'm, I know I'm not the only one. I know most of you are with me when I tell you I couldn't be happier with the fact that Kevin Owens has won the WWE Championship of the Universe. And we talked about this before. Number one, of course, that's what the title should be called. I thought of that the first day it was announced. But um, if you look at the YouTube show I did last week after the podcast came out, I talked about what could happen in that Fatal 4-Way. And it didn't go exactly the way I had thought, but Kevin Owens was the pick. Kevin Owens was the choice for that match. Uh, and it's for a lot of reasons which I will also talk about in the state of wrestling. But on a personal note, one of the reasons that I, and I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, were happy about Kevin Owens winning is because we know how he feels about pro wrestling. And Kevin Owens can do whatever he wants. He can tear up as many signs. He can insult as many people. He can throw flowers across the room. But we all know that deep down inside, Kevin Owens is one of us. Kevin Owens is a wrestling fan. If you didn't hear the interview and the Q&A session that I put out as a podcast last week, push pause on this, download last week's show, and listen to it. Because you can hear. You can hear. Kevin Owens is a wrestling fan. He's in his 20s. An adult man who's already wrestling, by the way. And he had Stone Cold Steve Austin pictures covering his bedroom. This is a guy who wants a Shane McMahon match. He wants a match. He told us last week. He wants a match with Shane McMahon 
just because he wants to live out that fantasy. Like, the, he is getting to live the dream that so many of us had, and it's fun to be able to watch it vicariously through someone like <laughs> someone like that. And by the way, he's doing it the right way. Because everybody else, like, let's say, Shawn Michaels, right, the boyhood dream. Nobody dreams of being the wrestler who once dreamed of being a wrestler. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to be the wrestler who's just happy to be there because it was his boyhood dream. The dream that people have is to be Kevin Owens. The dream that people have is to go become the champion and do it like a rock star and be a bad guy. Most people who want to be a wrestler, they dream of being a bad guy because it looks like so much fun. That's the point. What Kevin Owens is doing right now is funner, looks funner than what Bret Hart did, what Shawn Michaels did. Uh, well, Shawn Michaels, he had, I, I'm talking about Boyhood Dream, WrestleMania 12 Shawn Michaels. I'm talking about Bret Hart hero Shawn Michaels. The funnest stuff that those guys ever did to me as a wrestling fan, I thought the Hart Foundation stuff looked like a blast. His last, Bret Hart's last run in WWE. The DX stuff was Shawn's quote-unquote funnest stuff, right? The dream that we have... You know, as kids, especially as we get to be older kids, is we want to be the guy who kicked Marty Jannetty through a barbershop window. We don't want to be the guy in the ring saying, my dream has finally come true. So Kevin Owens really is living the dream. And all of us, you know, 30-plus-year-old man-children get to live vicariously through him. So congratulations to Kevin Owens. Um, and definitely listen to last week's podcast with him if you haven't gotten a chance, because you'll see how much he loves this stuff. Speaking of loving this stuff and speaking of being wrestling fans, this week we go back to Caroline's in New York City. We go back to the live show, which if you weren't at, listen to the last two weeks of podcasts, and I don't have to convince you to make sure that you're there next year. By the way, we will have this up on YouTube as well, most likely uh, very early next week, most likely. So the whole show is going up with all the interviews and everything. But this week's guests, Gallows... And Anderson. Yes, the Good Brothers are on the podcast together. Uh, this is another supersized episode. Don't get used to it. We'll go back to normal next week. But this week, we've got uh, my live interview with the Good Brothers. Katie Linendahl was in the house as well. At Caroline's uh, on Broadway in New York City, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And then I'm also going to include the Q&A that they did with the fans. Uh, so much fun. So much fun having these guys on the show. We talked about everything. We talked about Gallo's first run in WWE. Uh, we talked about not only as Festus, but being Kane. Wait till you hear the stories he's got about Vince McMahon and Festus. We brought up their podcast, Talk and Shop, that they did from Japan for a while. Those fans that go deep, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We talked about the Bullet Club and the time that they had in New Japan. I think we, we grazed over the TNA topic with Gallo's, but then we also talked a lot about their current run in WWE and everything that's going on with them. Also, all of you guys that were at Caroline's had amazing questions in the Q&A, which is why, you know, normally I would just play the interview. But you guys showed up to Caroline's with such good questions that I wanted to include it. So that's what we're going to do. Here it is. Let's get the podcast started the right way with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson live from New York City. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Interview. We are live from Caroline's on Broadway. How great is this club? Is this not the best venue there is? 
This is a terrific, terrific venue. I mean, is this, do we not all love this venue? Do we not love this venue? It's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> it's venue. It's a beautiful, beautiful venue. We're gonna, this venue is going to be so you, beautiful. It's so beautiful. New York actually paid for the You're going to be tired of being beautiful when you're done with it. Um, <laughs> all right. What do you say we get to our, uh, our next guest, huh? They go by a lot of names. The Club, The Good Brothers, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. Here they are, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to that ovation. Dropping the two sweets as they come in. There they are. The good doctors. There they are. Two sweets. Whoa, whoa. Who? What? What? I don't know what that means. Yeah. What? Are you guys saying the? They're saying bull <laughs> club. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because we got the a couple. Of, but we got a couple of bulls with us up on stage, right? Yeah. 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 Well, welcome uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Thank you, brother. Uh, thanks for having us, good brother. Yeah, man. Well, look, Carl Anderson, I talked to you probably a year and a half ago for the first time, and we were talking. That's when. Uh, 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 the club under a different name was running wild across New Japan. You remember that? You remember rough that? Yeah, very shot. well. You rough remember shot. that? Yeah, running roughshod. Well. Very well. Um, but you told me that was after Finn Balor had left. And I was asking you, yeah. you know, do you worry, blah, blah, blah. And you said, I don't even think that this club has hit its stride. I think this goes on for years. I think, did you have any idea that this is the direction the you club know, and would the, take? And the cool thing that is that old club is still going on. Right. You know? No, right. It, what club was that? They know. You know, I don't think we realized any of this was going to happen. Right. And, but we also didn't care. <laughs> I mean, we're happy no. that we're here. Right. We love that we're going to be an, on SummerSlam live on the WWE Network. Live. $9.99. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> But we didn't know any of this was going to happen. It just all, it all came out of nowhere, man, and it's, it's, uh, it's been unbelievable. So is that the secret, like, for both of you? Because Gallows, I mean, you started a totally different route. Like, you did the, I want to be a WWE superstar. I'm going on tough enough. I'll take whatever you give me. I'll ta-. And then it's like the second time around. Yeah. Is, that, is that the secret to st- kind of stop caring and just do a good job? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um... I was 20 years old when I went to that Tough Enough. You know, I've been wrestling since I was 18. So WWE for me ended the first time when I was 26 years old. And I was like, I didn't take it as like a boo-boo face. And I was upset about it. It was like a brand new set of challenges. Right. And let's keep rocking and rolling. And then, you know, New Japan breathed new life into my career completely. And then being a part of the club. Uh, <laughs> he went somewhere else. He called on Carl Anderson to save his career. He did, right? He came to the, the what club? <laughs> Wiped all the stink off of him, and now we're here. That's what you had to do. How long Boy, was it? This is really endearing being up here with you. <laughs> with that said, how long was that stink wiping process, by the way? Well, it took about a month. <laughs> Three weeks or so, yeah. It did. Okay. Well, it's off Linking now. up with him, man, was it was, you know, I was at a point in, in New Japan where I, you know, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. 
And he being, really hit a plateau, so he needed somebody to come in and fresh him <laughs> up. happened. And so we helped each other, and we helped each other in a lot of ways, and we also were bad for each other in a lot of ways because we're we're brothers. Relax, right, good brothers. Relax with the good brothers. Right, yeah. right, right. What planted the seed for you to come over? Was it a friend in the business, or what really made you decide oh, this is something I have to give some attention to? To come to the WWE? Yes. The fact that we saw a 203 number call our cell phone. <laughs> and I said, I said, brother, the real deal just called yeah. us. <laughs> we, had, we had a bunch of options on the table, and then the phenomenal one was uh, negotiating. Who's that, AJ Styles? Yes. Oh. That's him. It just, you know, it, we, it was a point where we were, we were kind of ready to make a move. We loved yep. where we were in Japan. Uh, we got a couple offers from, from somewhere else, and then um, it just was time, man. The timing. It, the timing. It, it all worked like out. It, 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 the, from the rumors to ac- the actual happening, it felt like it happened so fast. Yeah. I woke up to about a thousand messages when, the, uh, when those rumors happened, and it was, it was nuts, man. It's, it, like I said, it's just timing. The timing worked out perfectly to leave yeah. New Japan at the time we did, and uh, to be able to come here in the WWE and do what we're doing, is, uh, it's been unreal. Yeah. It's been unreal, You're man. also like, what's, what's really amazing is you guys get to do what you were doing you get to be yourselves which especially like like you carl anderson that's your first time in wwe and i'm sure you heard stories about like oh you're not going to be able to do anything and gallows you lived it like you you lived playing like like if we remember when you're young when you go through tough enough and everything you don't make it but you get the developmental contract at that point you're 20 or 21 years old you become the freaking deacon Yeah. I, I was afraid I was going to become Christopher Johnson or something. <laughs> right, right. But do they like, are you so kind of young and hungry to get onto the main roster? They come to you and say, we're going to bring you up to TV. And you go, oh, great. As the fake Kane. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have a storied past with great gimmicks. <laughs> it's great. And it is. It's nice to really get to come and be myself. And that's, again, attributed to the club and the stuff that we got to do in Japan and everything like that. But... I mean, yeah, to finally get to be yourself is uh, a complete blessing. So this trip around in WWE has been a whirlwind. It's been great. And uh, it's going to be even better this Sunday when we take down the New Day. <laughs> you know, I think we, uh, you know, we're, we're indie, indie guys that right. started. We started in the, in the wrestling business, I think, the, the proper way. Both of us, you know, yeah. we went. I, I started training at 22 years old, and I debuted in – in front of 35 people for Roger Ruffin's Bone Crushers and Northern Wrestling That's Federation, a lot. baby. And I didn't get paid anything. Nothing. I used to drive an hour and a half and get paid nothing. nothing. I, used to, I drove 16 hours to South Dakota and got paid 50 bucks to wrestle in front of eight people. But guess what? If you had a payday first time out, you wouldn't be a good brother. Exactly. I think we just we, we worked our way up. Man, went to New Japan for eight years, and then we, we linked up. We did our thing in New Japan. We did our thing you know, here in America on the, on the indie circuit. And we were just like it just all worked out so perfectly, man. Yeah. You know, they, like, like you say, and not like not caring, like not caring. Hell yeah. Got some podcast fans in the house. Yeah. Little talking shop fans in the house. <laughs> my, uh, I guess my point was not not caring helped us get where we are now. Right, right, right. Now, when you find out that you've got the new day, and they're like, okay, first you're going to be sort of badasses that you know injure them, but then. We're going to have you take on comedy. Like, you're going to have to out-comedy New Day, which is what they've been doing for whatever it is, two years now. Yeah, I mean, it's just been nuts. <laughs> it's been a sack full of jokes. You know? I, I have to tell you, I looked at the TV, and I was like, this is going to be stupid. 
And when you dropped the, we don't want it to be tainted. I was like, no, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. When Gallo said the results have been nuts, like we all lost it. Like I didn't realize it was going to be like, like yeah. just this, this last one, we just, the last skit we just did, like he was, which, what was the last thing you said? It's going to be. A it ball was ball. a real ball buster. Man, like, <laughs> I kept, I kept losing it. I was losing. I was like, we, we had to, we had to redo it. Right, right, right. When, so is there any sort of like, I don't know if we want to do jokes when New Day has perfected that or are you going, no, we can do jokes. We're funny guys. I mean, guys. that's, that's been our thing, though, is like it's part of being ourselves. Is we, we have a big sense of humor and like we had our own podcast and stuff like that. And that's what I think we endeared to people that way because we weren't just these big mean dudes with beards and tattoos beating people up. Like, right. We make ourselves you know, laugh all the we, time. Yeah, we pop each other constantly. So if you can do that and then let everybody else in on it too, I think you're on the right path for sure. At what point, because uh, I mean, I think most people are very well aware of that. And like when you go and you look up, especially the Gallo stuff, but both of you, your humor is all based on wrestling from the last 20 to 25 years. Like, it's all just based on being wrestling geeks. It's all I know, good brother. <laughs> We're the funniest guys we know to us. Like, we, we, just, we, we go back and forth in the car, like, and we're, I'm popping him, he's popping me, yeah. and we're just laughing, we're crying. Right. And AJ's, and AJ's covering AJ's... his ears with his headphones in because he's heard all these jokes yeah. 150 times. So. And, AJ, and, and then every now and then you'll hear AJ go, <laughs> and just a little, a little popsky. Pop. Yeah. Just a little popsky, then we know we got him, then we keep right. on going. He pops a little more, then he goes, you guys are stupid again, it stops. <laughs> but at what point do you realize that that's funny? Because like when, you, when you're young, like when I was younger, not anymore now because I feel like your generation has kind of taken over, but it's supposed to be like, no, no, no. You're not supposed to be a mark in the locker room. You know, you're not supposed to talk about the fact that you're a wrestling fan and you know all this stuff and you think it's all funny and reciting old promos just to get a kick out of each other. Not caring, well, I think. I mean, man. I think you turn into a grizzled young vet after a while. Like, <laughs> you know, but seriously, though, like we've been around 14 years now, so yeah. it's kind of okay for us. At first, you're kind of like walking on eggshells and doing all that, but... It's kind of our house now, we feel like, I guess. So we just put it out there. Some people like it, some people don't. We're very respectful to the guys that paved the Absolutely, way. You right. know what I mean? But I also well, think It's almost that, in tribute, right? All yeah, of it is all like, it's a tribute. tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Without it's them, we would have tribute. no material. It's great. You know? Like, I, you know, <laughs> this, uh, our last podcast, AJ did a Nature Boy impression. Yeah. <laughs> and me and Ric Flair saw each other recently uh -huh. at backstage. We gave each other a big hug. So there's no heat, guys. I saw that, by the way. <laughs> I woke up to messages saying, you have heat with the Nature Boy. And I said, What? <laughs> So we talked, saw him at, at uh, backstage and gave him a big hug. He loved, he loved uh, AJ's impression, too, by the way, if anybody knows that. But he thought it was you first, He right? thought it was me. Yeah. <laughs> so you I don't like, know if he thought it was me, because he said he guy. didn't. <laughs> yeah, but you go, look, I don't Rick, know Carl as well. Let's get, let's get, let's get some heat on him. <laughs> yeah. Rick, I want to make sure there's no heat on us. That was AJ that did that. <laughs> AJ who did it. <laughs> Trust me, I told him immediately. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of your old podcast, some of you know it, Talking Shop. I mean, you talk about. Are we how, how to does, talk about talking. How does talking shop get a pop? Like? <laughs> I don't know. You talk about not caring. Eleven hashtag worst podcast ever. <laughs> but when you get signed, do you have to go back through all the old stuff and be like, we need to delete some of these yes. shows? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. The only answer to that is yes. Yes. Yeah. I just so are you clean a lot of things up? You did. You did. But I feel like. I feel like there's enough. I was thinking about this last night as I was going through YouTube clips and stuff. And I think that there is a reality where maybe if this team progresses in a certain way, there's a sit-down interview and Luke Gallows has to explain who Sex Ferguson is. Yeah. 
And at this point, we have a very dude love <laughs> type moment where it becomes a reality. It could happen. I don't Hell, know if it goes that far, you man. Know what <laughs> I hate the fact that Sex Ferguson got a pop, too. <laughs> Well, he's lived through it. He's lived through it. Katie, you, you, you're always a fan of the, uh, of the wacky and weird gimmicks. Were you, oh, a, yeah. were you a Festus person? Festus! <laughs> <laughs> the best part about Festus is that like, we heard through the, like, from, from the talent relations, the, the head of talent relations, that Vince doesn't even remember that he was Festus. He doesn't. <laughs> I don't even know if we're allowed to say the word, but my wife didn't even know that I was Festus when I married her. That's for real, yeah. So like we, we, we go up to the gorilla position, and they go, and like, and like the, the guy will say, like, uh, like Mark Carano will say, I'm going to go tell Vince that you remind him that you were Festus. He goes, no, no stop. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't tell him that. I'm like, man, don't, don't tell Vince. I need this run right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine Vince. Can you imagine him? You were Festus? <laughs> <laughs> Lose now. <laughs> it's amazing. You shave the head, you grow the beard out a little bit, you're a new man. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like a decent looking brother. It's a hell of a makeover. Yeah, yeah. All these runs you've had on this journey, though, for so long, and, and talking about, you know, 50 bucks you make wrestling one night or getting paid in hot dogs, and now here, all the indie guys are now together at WWE. It's so crazy for a wrestling fan to see that. Is it? Do you guys have that moment where you go, this is nuts. Yeah, like I remember before, before uh, Finn Balor debuted on Raw the other night, man. That was like emotional for me. It's one of my best friends. Like, and then, you know, Kevin Owens is there. Sami Zayn is there. Yeah, they're all good brothers. And it's just, uh, it's cool to be, and then AJ is one of our best friends. And we're all in, in, uh, on, on this main roster right now. It's, it's, it's nuts. I think it's a credit. <laughs> I'm getting a little testy. No, it's... <laughs> Relax. Don't, don't let this setback peter out our passion to find a cure. I think it's a credit to all of them and how hard all of them have worked. And, uh, you know, you guys have seen those guys come up through the ranks. And for everybody to be here at this time, I was saying this in another interview right before we started, but I think it's not only a great time for the, the wrestlers or the performers, but it's a great time for the fans, too. You know, so it's kind of like we're all on this little ride together, you know, because you guys watched us all come up through it, and now we're all up there together, and it's, it's very cool. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I, got to drop a, I got to drop a hot Asian wife bomb on TV. I mean, as I told you, that's my favorite thing ever. And, you know, I thought he would drop it, but now it's, like, in his Twitter, like, description. No, hot yeah. Asian it's wife. Like, Mick Foley Googled it the other day in front of me. He goes, look at this, Chad. Like, or Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Chad? Uh, no, uh, man. A good brother. <laughs> look, Carl Anderson's wife. It looks what, look what pops up. And he was trying to show me something else, but then my wife actually popped up. And he goes, <laughs> How well, that's what wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was, but, but anyways, Mick Foley, a guy I watched, you know, for, for years, a legend to me, is, is Googling my wife as well. So. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> I'm not sure that's what I wanted. But <laughs> if no, you got a hot Asian wife, the legends are going to look her up. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. How does she feel about this situation? Did I'm sure, I, you know, I did. Would you ever ever as a manager? I'm not sure. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I don't want my, I don't want my wife famous at all. Ski. <laughs> Somebody was like, you need to start posting pictures of her on Twitter. And I went, whoa, 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 relax now. I need to, I don't want to get her famous or anything. Right. <laughs> she already has enough pool in the house. Like she owns the house. I'm scared of her. Right. I don't need her to get famous as well. I got to have a little fucking something over her. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Can you beep that out? No. Hot Asian. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Unbelievable. Hot Asian can't take wife. you anywhere. He looked over to like a, a non-existent control room for like a mute button. Right, right. Hey, we're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Hot Asian wife does it. It's better as an entity. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's what is where it? it needs to stay. It's mystique, complete mystique. You know? How did you, how did you 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 for a minute? I think uh, uh, Luke Gallows had the best of both worlds. Your wife was a wrestler who could travel with you and be in the uh, club with you. That's the club. That's yeah. right, and do the whole thing. So when you get signed to WWE, it's one thing if you know. Carl Anderson is a wrestler. I'm marrying that she gets the lifestyle, and we have to adapt that way. But for you to now be shocked into that system because your wife is still wrestling, but right. apart from you. So now yeah. you've both got this opposite schedule. How has that been? I mean, it's just, you know, she does it too, so she kind of gets it. Yeah. So that's been helpful. But she gets to go and rep the club in other places. So, you know, we, we try to keep our fingerprint all across the sea of this sports entertainment Divide universe that we're in. Exactly. Brother, yeah. Yeah. Brother's very carny. Yeah. yeah he's, trust me, she's selling those <laughs> Bullet Club shirts all around the world. <laughs> How much right. did you make tonight? Out the trunk of the car. <laughs> Do you get a cut of those Bullet Club shirts? Because that is insane. The well, sales on those. Most importantly, we get a cut of the club shirts. The club right. Please go buy Understood. the club WWE shop.com. Yes. Buy one today. Buy and ten right. today. Yeah. And you can watch Excellent. us wear them on the WWE Network Sunday Absolutely. at right. SummerSlam. Exactly. Yeah, I won't, I won't put them on the spot, but I remember having a... Uh, conversation with New Japan Carl Anderson about the fact that the royalties uh, weren't royalties so were so add, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I was digging for that. The royalties did to... not add up. Like, yeah, they, to, to... Yeah. Not at all. I don't think they, don't think they realized how many they were going to sell. I mean, there's, look, they're all over the place here even. Yeah, yeah. Start talking like Ferg there for a second. <laughs> I don't know who that is either. Finn Balor. Oh! <laughs> Prince Devitt. Oh. Um, what do you want to... Is there any sort of... Do you care... Now, or are you just riding the wave? Like, is it because the question would be, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to team with Ferg? Do you want to face him? Do you want, or are you just like, you know what? It's worked out really well so far. Maybe we should just ride this wave. I mean, yeah, man. I, it, we're happy doing anything. We're happy being here. It's where we always wanted to be. Like, yeah. you know, it's like we always wanted to be in WWE. We were happy other places, but to, to, this is where we wanted to be. Just being here is, is ridiculously cool. Being here with my friends is cool. And, you know, whatever they do with us, man, I'm. We're just riding the wave. We're definitely riding the wave. And then, you know, it's so cool to see two of our best buddies in Finn Balor and AJ Styles. And, I mean, they're at the top of the game and the top of the landscape in the entire industry right now. So uh, definitely a lot of wave riding going on. We're all having a great time. And we didn't see this coming, like you said. Were you surprised that you got drafted away? Like It seemed like you guys and AJ were onto this thing that was big. And when yeah. you guys got separated, is that a surprise to everybody? It yeah. was a legitimate surprise to us. But, again, it's like, okay, new challenge, conquer it. So, and Just we, we needed to it. prove that we could stand on our own, and I think we're doing that. So yeah. that's there's very good, important uh, as well. Yeah, there's a, a, a dot-com video somewhere where it actually shows the actual reaction. I of, saw it, and I felt yeah. bad because it seemed like AJ was like, oh, no. And he you goes, guys were like, yeah, well, brother. He, he <laughs> thought we were ribbing him. He goes, no, for real. We're going to ride together tomorrow. There's my boys. There's the name. Hear the name. Throw it up. <laughs> nah, dog, we're gone. You can see in the Sorry, video, pal. like Gall- Gallows is 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 telling AJ, and AJ gets sad. I'm over there telling Jericho, and Jericho goes, "Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's real. It is what it is." Uh, what was it like, Gallows, to be a young guy in the ring with the Undertaker? It was unbelievable. Yeah. I was uh, 
I just turned 24 years old when I did that match. And, uh, you know, being a big guy in wrestling, the, yeah. you know, you look up to the phenom. Yeah. And uh, I went to TV one day, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're wrestling The Undertaker. And I went, wait, hold on, who, me? Why? <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah. Why oh. are you doing that? Oh, Lord, okay, cool. But it was nerve-wracking, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's still one of my favorite memories, especially for that point in my career or whatever was absolutely the pinnacle of it. And uh, it's a pretty good match. Yeah. Can you tell that uh, story about when Fink called you and told you you were working Kane? Nope. Please. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. Yeah. I was, in, uh, I was in developmental, and I was, again, I was really, I was 21. And, um, you know, they wanted to look at my character or whatever, so I get the 203 call, and I'm in the grocery store. And it's the Fink, but, like, I think that it's a joke because he goes, Hello, this is Howard Finkel. <laughs> Excuse me? This is Howard Finkel. Oh, man, really? It, yes. <laughs> you are booked on this weekend's live event series, and you'll be taking on Kane. <laughs> but you're still going like... He's got his ring announcer voice on the phone. Like, this guy's more awesome than I yeah. could ever imagine. So then he's like, you know, he's doing the travel at this point. He's not ring announcing stuff anymore. So he's like, your hotel will be the Marriott. And you will pick up your rental car from budget. So, like, he's, and I'm going, okay, great. So then I'm like, okay, it's not a joke. This is great. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate it. I'm going to do my best. And then right before we hang up, he goes, oh, and one more thing. Watch out for that choke slam. <laughs> Then click, right? Yeah. So I immediately call my trainer. I go, is this real? And he goes, yeah, it's real. You don't want to go? Yeah, I want to go. I don't know, man. Relax. It didn't sound real, though. And it is. I I love the voice, too, because he did the – you guys that listen to the podcast know he did the voice work for the podcast. Yeah, we flew him to Japan to do the (laughs) entrance. But he uh, – when he was doing the voice work for my podcast – he said that, and I'm not going to even attempt the impression, but he told me, I'm going to give you two versions, and one is like Howard Finkel, which is kind of like what you just did, and then he said he really finked it up <laughs> in the other version. He really and that was like, himself. Yeah, yeah, that was like WrestleMania 8, Hoosier Dome, yeah. like Howard Finkel. Where do we see him at? He asked you, he told, he told you, I, I hear just, you have just, a, at, at the at Garden? A, at a, yeah, somewhere. And what did he say to you? He said, you have a decent impression. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. He said, I hear you have a great impression. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Like, uh, yeah, maybe he said that. <laughs> Either way, he said it like the Fink says it. That's right. That's how he said it. <laughs> uh, so Gallows has been uh, everywhere already when he meets you. He's been in WWE. He's been in TNA. He's in yep. New Japan now. You have not been in WWE. Yeah. So the way a lot of people... You know, you ask WWE guys, like, oh, like, if you ask Cena, like, who do you want to work with, like, that's outside of WWE? You've already been with everybody in Japan, and you've wrestled Nakamura, and you've wrestled Balor, and you've done all this. So did you have in your mind, like, I want to get in the ring with some of these WWE guys? Yeah, I, I always wanted to get in the ring with John Cena, and I didn't realize I'd be beating him up live on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I mean, for real. Like... Hashtag beat up John Cena. I mean, who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to work with John Cena? It's like that's the top, the top of the top, you know. Right. Um, so, so I never thought I'd get a chance to work any of these guys. Like I'd, I'd, Randy Orton would be. In, I'd love to get in with Randy. I think he's unbelievable. Um, I, I could just name them all over. Even oh, yeah, get in the ring with absolutely. New Day this weekend. Like these guys yeah, are guys that we were great. watching. You know, yeah. in, in Japan we were keeping an eye on what was going on. It's just uh, yeah. 
And you didn't get that it's taker match, though. Man. No, you didn't no. get that taker That's match. That's true. You, you sure didn't. <laughs> so, so Heath Slater. Heath Slater. We love Heath Slater. Heath, yeah. Heath is a great brother. I mean, it's just, it's just the line. It's just everybody, man. All the, the locker room is great. The boys are cool. You know, we're friends with Y2J now, man. It's right. Great. Is there a separation between good brothers and not good brothers in the locker room? What in, it, is there a good well, brother click? I, I, mean. I will say this. Right now, I think uh, there's, there's more good brothers assembled than I can ever remember in any locker room I've ever been in. And that's a testament to the, to the boys and, and the girls in the back and stuff. Yeah. A lot of really good people back there. But, yeah, uh, there have been times in the past when there were some unbrotherly brothers, for sure. I don't like that. I don't either. Yeah, the locker like room that. is full of good brothers, man. But, you know, if you go other places, it's not always so full of good brothers. Like so. But, yeah, a lot of good brothers here. Do you think the good brother trend could bring back something like wrestler court? Could bring back that sort of. It would be really hard for me to take it serious, but I could see it happening. <laughs> I think it's you know I think what works right now, at least what we've seen, is I you know the guys leave each other alone, man. Like I, we do our thing, they do their thing. We're respectful to each other, and it's right. it's been uh, yeah. It's, I just I don't you know I don't see the need for any of that kind it's of. It's a very stuff, supportive you know I mean? group of guys and girls. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to see each other do well, so the business does well, so the fans are happy, and that's just a great positive environment to work in. How long does it take for you to realize that that's what it is? Because I'm assuming some of the places that you've been, you're like, okay, everybody seems like they really want me to succeed. Like, what's the deal? Well, here? Like, like, there what? was a lot of trepidation because we didn't know it would be like that. Right. You know, so. We kind of walked in. And we're like, hey, we got to watch out for each other. The three of us are going to watch each other's backs, and you know, we're not going to let anything go down. And then we got there, and you know, the first few weeks, a month, we went, these guys are great. This is awesome. Yeah, we figured so, out pretty quick, man. The yeah. locker room's great. The boys are great. It's uh, it's been really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Is there? I mean, so you don't have necessarily goals then. Now that I mean, you're there. I guess I want to I want to break away from him and be the world heavyweight champion. Well, there's no way you can beat me, so I don't think that's going to happen. I wrestled the Undertaker for God's sakes. You win. Um, I, I, we, of course, we want to we want to be on the very top of everything. We, you know, we're we're riding the wave, but we want to be the best, just like everybody. Absolutely. You know? We want to just what we love. This is all we've ever wanted to do since like since I was four or five years old. Right. Some, this is our dream job, man. So we want to, yeah, we want to be on top. Of is course. there is there an art to faction life? Because it's just as we're sitting here talking, I'm like, okay, Gallows goes from I'm a faction man. You are. You go from straight edge society, which I think everybody loved. Yeah. You know, and and that's one of those things. That, <laughs> and that's one of those things that's looked back on even now when you watch it, like, oh, what could have happened here? You know sure. what I mean? Like yeah. aces and eights, which at the time was arguably the only good thing on that TV show. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> then you go. Then you go to Bullet Club. Then you come back here and do the club. Is there an art to being the right member and figuring out how to make this whole faction work? You just got to be the best good brother that you can be. It's all about the good brother. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's just yeah, the no, timing, been, right? Yeah, it's timing and uh, a lot of luck and I think a little bit of skill. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, <clears throat> you know, as you go along, you evolve and become a, hopefully a better performer and – you know, more of an asset to these cliques or factions or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I've been really lucky with all that. So. How important is that genuine chemistry? Uh, I think it's very important, and I think, like, him and I, like, I was just coming to New Japan to do one tour, and we had one match in Cork and Hall, and we were like, all right, like, this is a, a thing. And then went out for dinner and had a good time, and, like, we've pretty much been inseparable ever since. So, like, the chemistry with us was automatic, and it was real, and I think you can tell. When you see people perform like that, you know, if it's a real connection. And obviously we're having fun, 
So hopefully that makes the audience have fun as well. Sometimes we talk like Stone Cold to each other. Like this. <laughs> but I go home to my hot Asian wife. And, like I, I, um, and she walks by the bathroom and she goes, really? And I go, what? I go, what? You know? like, she opens the door and, I, and, I'm, and she goes, I can hear you talking like Stone Cold. And I'm, but I'm in the bathroom just looking in the mirror. Don't cut myself a little promo. <laughs> We got to a point in Japan where, like, if we were doing a small, like, untelevised show where it was hard to have a serious match because either t- anytime either one of us would tag in and, like, an eight-man tag or something, we were just doing stone-cold offense and stone-cold voice <laughs> to make the other one laugh. Look at me stomping a mud hole in it right now. We had a big match on a pay-per-view over there, and Nick Makabe got in the ring, and I went, get up out of here out of my face. <laughs> and, he, and he looks at me and goes, really? Really? Right, so you right can't now? do that, man. No. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Stone Cold, that it's just, it never stops being fun. I was walking through the mall the other day with my wife, and I just kept cutting the Austin 316 promo on her. It's so fun to talk like Stone Cold. He's got one of the best voices of all time for this business. Like, yeah. the, the bus ride from Sendai, Japan to Tokyo is just, just say, six hours. Right. We did it for six hours. <laughs> AJ goes that back and forth, back and forth for six freaking hours. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Neither one of you two jerks is Steve Austin, okay? I'm sorry, AJ. I can't stop doing it. <laughs> Keep talking to me like Adam on dump you on your chin. <laughs> I can't stop doing it now. Yeah, it's real hard. There's also something special. <laughs> it's real hard. It's nuts. <laughs> There's also something special about when you can do an impression like that, but then incorporate yourself. Like, I don't think I ever heard Stone Cold cut a promo about how much he liked Bud Light Lime, but all of a sudden, Stone Cold Steve Austin likes those BWLs. Give me a BWL up in this. <laughs> and then we got so Steve, man, and he was awesome. Was great. Did he know yeah. the impression? I don't think he knew the impression. I don't know if he though. knows the impression. I don't think not. Stone Cold cares even. Yeah. You know, no, but. Big you know, hug, talk to him for like 15 minutes, and I'm just looking at him, like listening to his voice, going, This, is, this rules, man. <laughs> Son, how you doing? You're in, in Japan for eight years, right? I go, yeah, yes, yes, sir. <laughs> You're giving me more material, man. Just like hearing him talk. <laughs> What's amazing about him, too, I mean, you talk about good brothers, the fact that, like, you know, he's, to me, I think, the best wrestler of all time. Like, he's the most, the biggest, he's whatever. The he's icon of everything. Of wrestling. Yeah. And he still likes wrestling. He somehow. still likes it. He's yeah, talking so. to us about stuff we did in Japan, and we're like, you watch that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, awesome. walked, I literally, the first time I met him, I walked by in the hallway, and he sticks his head out and goes, Was you going to walk by me? And I went, <laughs> No, sir. He goes, I didn't think so now. Was, I'm just like, Can, can, can we? Can, can we pull aside what? and talk? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but he's, they said that to me because he wanted to talk to me about wrestling, man. It's, it's just, amazing. Yeah, it's great. Amazing. He's yeah. a man. What a how, many more, how many more interactions do you think you have to have with him before you start talking like him to him? That might take us a little while. I don't know if we want to go <laughs> fire up on old Stone Cold just yet. <laughs> I, got, I saw him last before he did the podcast with Ambrose. I, I, go, I go, Steve, because we're buddies now, you know. And I go, <laughs> big hug, and he goes, doggone son, how much cologne did you put on? <laughs> Some people put that stuff on when they walk into the room and you just realize they put too much on. I was like, well, is, is that me, Steve? But then at that point, you start talking to Sasha Banks. He'd forgotten I was even there. <laughs> it's true, though. Naturally. I guess I put too much on that. Day. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so, club aside, let's say everything pre-New Japan. 
If that's what you had in your career, Luke Gallows, mm-hmm. what do you point at as that's the best moment? Is it the straight edge stuff? Um, yeah, it's, it's a tie between that and that Undertaker match, honestly, because yeah. the straight edge stuff was awesome, and I loved working with my buddy doing that too. Um, but as like a singular moment, I think you know the Undertaker match was probably my favorite thing. What yeah. goes through your head? Now that you're in a better position, we can talk about it. What goes through your head when, you get, when you're lumped in with the, okay, we're releasing this many people today and your name's on the list? Well, it was um, – I was 26. Right. So I didn't go like, oh, no. And I think the most important thing too was like to turn that negative into a positive and just know that you were going to come back. So like I got – released on a Friday. I wrestled on Saturday. The following week, I went to Japan for Antonio Inoki and then, like, started doing all this crazy stuff on my own. I started going to Africa, which was a huge mistake. <laughs> I didn't know that then. But, uh, yeah, the great Power Rudy was there. They tried to shoot me with machine guns. It was awesome. But, you know, you got to go do that stuff and live a little bit and um, young too, reinvent man. yourself, you yeah. know, and then... You know, I went to the other company, and then I went to Japan and all of that. So, like, I never thought. I think they know what company you're talking oh. about. Weird. WrestleMerica? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just, I always thought in my head, like, I'm going to go back someday. But then once we got to Japan, we were doing great. We were making a great living. And we were very content. So when this came up, it was just like a feather in the cap of all of it, you know? So... Was, did you think Japan was going to work for you? Yeah. And you did. I, we found our niche and stuff like that, and we were happy. You know, it, was an intense, um, it was an intense schedule because sometimes you'd be gone eight, nine weeks at a time. But, like, we loved what we were doing, and um, we got along great, and we were having a lot of fun. And then this came up, and I went, oh, man, there it is again. It's perfect. Yeah. So you got to jump on it. What about you, Carl Anderson? Is Japan something? When I mean, you're a young guy, are you like, yeah. I want to get to Japan, or are you going, okay, this is where it's taking me? Well, you know, once I, when I first started training, of course I want to be in the WWE. Like, that's sure. all, all I ever wanted to do. But then once I started training, so I'm sorry, as a kid, I wanted to be in WWE. It's all I ever Did wanted. Did you have a WWE name picked out when you were a kid? Yeah, of course. What was it? Big Love. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Just because. Yeah. It's the big love, yeah, Carl yeah, Anderson. Of course. With his hot Asian wife. Yeah. yeah, with his hot... Yeah. She wasn't there yet, though, yeah. yeah. That'd be great, though, if your hot Asian wife was just calling you big love. <laughs> Feels very she American. lots of things. Pass us out, big love. <laughs> like idiot. <laughs> uh... No, once I started training, man, I, I, I don't know. I didn't I, – all I wanted to do was make a living in, in pro wrestling. That's all I ever wanted to do once right. I started training. I realized I wanted to go to England. I wanted – I used to say this crazy plan. I want to, you know, be an indie guy that gets flown somewhere. Then I want to be an indie guy that gets to go across seas. Then I want to go work in Japan. And then I'll do everything. Then I want to go to WWE. I had this crazy plan, and then and, and it, it actually it did it. it. Yeah, it's like it I know. Yeah, and it doesn't. That's what, and I, it's still. My, my, my dad called me today, and he goes, he goes, man, I still have not accepted this yet. <laughs> that you're in the WWE. I said, me either, man. I don't right. know what's going on. It's just, Is that it, a scary move, though? Because ultimately, yeah. that's like the culmination of everything you dreamed of. And if it goes, it's going to go one it way was, or the other. It's like you no have to choice. maintain that positivity about it. No, we had no choice. We had to come to WWE. And we were confident in our ability too. By the time we got here, you know, I think when you come when you're really young in your career, like I did the first time, like. You don't know what's going to happen. You're scared. You're nervous and stuff. But this time we were like, oh, we're going to rock it. And yeah. so far we've done pretty well. So. It was time. We weren't, we weren't scared. We, like I said, we weren't scared about it. We were, we were, of course, nervous, changing. But 
We knew that we knew we had to come to the WWE. When we ran out in the Staples Center, because we're behind the curtain, that was the first time I think either one of us was nervous because it was like we were about to run out. And we're like, oh, what if they don't know who we are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they did, and we were like, okay, perfect, we're ready to go. So. Well, right before we ran out, I, I looked at my friend and I went, let's just let's act like this is the Gastonia Armory, <laughs> just where we were last summer. And he was like, you're right, man. And then we, that's it, bam. Make you sound like AJ all of a sudden. You're right, You're right, Maya. Freak you. (laughs) And then Vince is back there watching going, why didn't we sign this guy earlier? And well, is that Festus? (laughs) Shh, quiet. (laughs) Well, look, not only are you both in WWE now, you're on Broadway, baby. You're at Caroline's. This is amazing. Too sweet, me, Caroline's. (laughs) We're going to take a break, but we're going to come back. We're going to do some Q&A. What do you think? We're going to see, we're gonna see what the people... Right. See what you guys got. Those are the voices of Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and uh, Katie Linendahl. I'll let you pick who's who. I don't know if you can figure it out on your what own. What about this one? He's <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> Have a little more water, man. But let's... Uh, and I'm going to open it up to Q&A. And I'm going to tell you, like, everybody's allowed to ask whatever questions they want. But no, like... Hey, can you do... Don't ask for impressions. Like, come on. Try to be a little creative. Like, figure out a way you can ask where it would lead into it. But don't ask for impressions. But beyond that, it's all, uh, it's all on the table. Who's got Open some questions? Field, Hands baby. up. Hands up. Kathy Kelly is going to uh, help us out by being the Hello. moderator. Yeah, Kathy. What is your name and where are you from? Uh, Moses. I'm from Queens. BC shirt rocking. Yep. <laughs> Too sweet. I've got a question. If they do a WWE ride-along, could you get Hacksaw Jim Duggan again? <laughs> I would love to get Hacksaw Jim Duggan again. He's amazing. Dude, yes. that was amazing. I wish, man. Hacksaw is the man. We had an awesome time. <laughs> we, rode with, we rode with Hacksaw for like two hours in the car. We drank a bunch of pops. <laughs> Talk turkey. It was awesome, man. You got to be PG. He said man. a soda pop. He was I, know. Know. I, yeah, I remember. Right. He, was right. like, he was passing me another soda pop, kid. <laughs> Who's next? Okay. Oh, this dude right what here. What is your name and where are you from? Heaven, and I'm from New York. Oh, he's learning. So. Yeah. Awesome. This is the kid. Earlier, he didn't know. He, I said, Is anyone from outside of New York? And he was like, Yeah, the Bronx. Okay. I like your shirt, too. <laughs> Thank you. Great What's shirt. your question? Um, what WrestleMania did you watch? What WrestleMania did you watch? Well, when I was a kid, Which... WrestleMania 8 was my favorite. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I loved WrestleMania 8. That was just for that Reba McIntyre national anthem, right? <laughs> Gallows and I sat in, uh, in Dallas in the hotel room uh, this year yeah. and watched the watched entire WrestleMania, WrestleMania and it loved fun. it. Yeah. So. Because we thought we were debuting the next day, but we did not. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably why you love it. You're like, oh, man, this is so good. And we're, we're going to be there tomorrow. We're debuting. <laughs> and we get a text that says you're not. And I was like, fine. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to come eat the catering. <laughs> Who's next? Who do we got over there? I see somebody over there. Hi. I'm CJ. I'm from New Jersey. Uh, if you guys could pick, like, as a team or singles, like, your dream opponents, who would they be? Oh. Dream As a home. team, 100%, the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> I think we... Yeah. Now, are you talking about in their prime or like indie Rock and Roll Express right Either now? Either way. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> they're still doing it. I wrestled yeah. the Rock and Roll Express. We, before, D-Lo and I did. <laughs> before we came back here, we were, we were trying to get a match we with them to, yeah. at the Gastonia we Armory. We seeking the Rock and Roll Express. For $7.50 a pop and then sell our gimmicks on the side. <laughs> 
Okay, there was a little, nice little, nice little chump change, right? All right, you've talked enough today. <laughs> I think me for singles match, man, uh, Randy Orton would be the, my, my dream. Wow. Yeah. Um, John Cena, Randy Randy. Yeah, I've had a lot of them, I think, already. But, uh, like, if you could, I don't know, Shawn Michaels probably, for sure. Yeah. Good answer. I see you over there. Yes, we have Ashley from Brooklyn. Hello. Um, I just wanted to know, um, because you guys came into WWE. By the way, can I just say something? You know how, you know how I can tell Kathy Kelly is a professional? <laughs> you see how she did not let her hands off that microphone? Oh. She was going for it. Was she was good. trying to, she was, Kathy was like, I'll be holding it. I, some kid tried to steal it over the break. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that. I would never do that. Um, um, you guys came into WWE. You were um, pretty established already. Um, when you got the call, were you a little nervous that they would underutilize you when you came on to the main roster? I don't think so. I mean, we definitely we wondered what was going to happen, but I think we were really confident at that point. Yeah. I mean, the best thing about us is, you know, I think we're very respectful brothers, but we, uh, we've always had a lot of confidence in ourselves and our abilities to do Anything. Yeah, we felt like wherever they put us, so we could we could find a way to stand out and be okay. So, yeah. do you feel like with now with enough confidence, though, if you did were proposed a gimmick that you didn't like, that you wouldn't take it and you'd oppose it? We do whatever we're told. We would thing. we would find a way to master it. Now, I like to think. I what think if they we were would, like? I think we could do it. What if they were like, we're going to have a tag team of demon canes, <laughs> and both of you are going to be Kane? That'd I be think awesome. we could do it. <laughs> I think that's something we want to do. <laughs> We're gonna pitch that Against tomorrow. the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> now, I think you both just want to work on your like voice box impressions. I just want to wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Bad. We Who's have, next? Uh, Nadir from New Jersey. Should I stand? I don't know. All right, cool. Yeah, keep it comfortable, <laughs> Nadir. You're good. Relax, dog. You're right. good. You can stand course. up. Yeah, of course. Um, my my question is actually for Carl Anderson. Uh, I wanted to know how do you feel about dropping the machine gun name? Because I loved it, man. Yeah, 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 it's still there and alive, brother. It's still alive for the people that know. Um, Hell yeah. You know, I think you know. The, the, <laughs> Hell yeah. The Hell WWE yeah, man is a it's a it's a PG product, you know, and and that, I think it's just it's important that uh you know Hot just Asian white. leave it leave it where it is, you know. Leave it where it is. It's still yeah. there, you know, but I think to leave it where it is. And you know what? You're getting away with some pretty good nuance without going so literal. The fact that, yeah. you know, you're going on a PG show and being like, we're doctors who steal people's testicles. I'm like, yeah. it's pretty good. Ring post <laughs> pretty good real. I think, some, you know, I think maybe someday it'll pop up, you know. We'll see, you know, keep your eyes open for it, though. Uh, awesome. We're back here with Yancey from New Jersey. Bronx. Bronx. I know Bronx, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah Yancey from New the Jersey. Bronx. Bronx is in New York. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, this is for both of y'all. Uh, if you could make like me any and Carl. S- yeah, you and Carl, oh. Sam. Uh, if you, uh, uh, Gallows and Anderson. If you could make any statement. You gotta specify. Yeah. Jesus Sorry, Christ! Man. I got that. I was kidding, Sam but you know. <laughs> If you if you two can make any stable name, even if it doesn't have to involve either of you, what stable name would you pick, and who would it be? Good Brothers, us. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express 2.0. I'm Punky Daddy. You, me, Ricky, and Robert. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask if you could add anybody to your Good Brothers faction. Who would it be? Ricky but and that's Robert. Seems, Roll Express. Yeah, Ricky and Robert seems like an obvious one. Kathy, who do we have over there? Hi, I'm Kayla. I live in Queens. Um, in your experience, what here in WWE, honestly, our fan base can be a little rowdy and disrespectful sometimes. What? How does that compare to the fan base in New Japan? 
I haven't seen the WWE be disrespectful at all. I mean, if the fans come and they cheer or they boo or they chant whatever they want, I think as long as they're having fun, I don't care. Like, that's that's the fun part about being part of the uh, WWE universe is you get to express yourself however you want. We haven't, yeah, like you said, we've, we haven't had anybody be blatantly rude to us. Uh, it's actually a little more fun when they're louder, you know, so. But the, 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 the Japanese audience is just different. It's a different culture, different people. And, I mean, it's just... They're they're very respectful, but it's a, it's in a, just a different kind of fan base. I don't know if that answered your question at all. all right. Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss the Japanese fan base that would like the, the would go like the sponsor dinners and stuff that would take you out? Oh, we miss yep. that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. But well, Gallows, being the carny brother he is, right. has found us some sponsors in America. Is that right? It's been awesome. Any of you guys want to sponsor us tonight? DM me. <laughs> We're not scared to find one right now. <laughs> the world's largest Olive Garden's right around the corner. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> who? So listen. Like, who wants to take us? Who wants to take us and let us eat as much as we want and drink as much as we want? That's what a sponsor does. Right. I mean, that's great. Right. But, right. but well, we got you know, an offer. Okay. We 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 had a we had a family. We called them the Bullet Club family in uh, in uh, from Nagoya, and and he, he goes uh, Chado. Uh, my name. Just, that's anyway. Japanese. Yeah, Chato. Uh, last month, last month, Bill, seven thousand dollars, <laughs> all on Bullet Club. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> Bullet Club gets thirsty. Hungry, hungry, hungry. <laughs> Kathy, who's next? Uh, hi, I'm uh, Cooney from Brooklyn. I uh, just wanted to ask Gallows and Anderson. Um, how, truly, honestly, guys, how do you guys feel yeah, about the uh, the title belts, the tag team title belts, the copper-looking belts uh, compared to the old school? Oh, like aesthetically? Just in general, how they feel about how they're going to look. look or, I mean, they're going to look great around our waist this Whoa! Sunday at SummerSlam Whoa! on the WWE Network for nine ninety nine. That's right. Hey, if, if they're around our waist, I don't care what they yeah. look like because that means we're making more money. <laughs> right. It's true. Right. Making more money, saving money on dinners. Saving money on sponsored dinners. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Erica from New Jersey. What's up? I was wondering, the women's division has been getting a lot of attention lately. If you can pick one woman, one woman to be part of the club, who would it be? Wow. That's, that's tough. Amber Gallup. <laughs> There's two answers. <laughs> right, I'm thinking that for now we'll just hear what Gallows and Anderson's answers are. There's two answers we have to say. Our wives. Our wives. His but, wife and my wife. But I think um, Becky Lynch is a huge club supporter, so hey. she'd be a good addition here in the WWE. Yeah, I, I met I met Becky ten years ago at the Los Angeles Dojo training in Santa Monica, and we were both broke. We were all broke, 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 man. Damn. And uh, I think she she she's like she's a good sister, so you know she'd be great. Yeah. There good. it is. There it is. Who's next up there, Kathy Kelly? Here with George from Brooklyn. Hi guys, if you guys could be a part of any fraction from any era, well, what would it be? Bullet Club. <laughs> I wouldn't mind wrestling being in the Four Horsemen because they got to wrestle the Rock and Roll Express a lot. <laughs> any of the good ones, the NWO, DX. I mean, I'm a faction man, so put yeah. me in any of them. NWO, NWO me, please. <laughs> NWO me. Have you talked to any of the of the, of the NWO guys about? Uh, yep. They love it. They yep. love it, right? Nash Hall. They yeah. all gave us Hall. too sweet on the too sweet. They're, they love they're it. down. Yeah. yeah. 
Me and Hall are on hugging basis, man. We is that hugging. right? Yes. I mean, they see it how it is. We're paying homage to something that we thought was cool when we were growing up, and we made it cool again. Did you have to figure out where to draw the line, though? You're like, okay, obviously we're going to make our group like a group that we would have thought was cool when we were kids, which yeah. is NWO-esque. Do you have to figure out, like, okay, when does this become – a parody or a copy, and when does it stop being a tribute? Never. We just we, we literally just did whatever we <laughs> wanted when we formed it. So no, I don't think we did. One time on the bus, Finn Balor goes, "Oh, I wonder if they think we're marks or not. I don't know." I said, <laughs> "I said, I said, who cares?" He goes, "Oh, you're right. <laughs> who cares?" Yeah, you made being marks being cool. I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> yeah, those guys are marks. So what? <laughs> I am. Yeah. I don't know because all these guys are wearing these Marks T-shirts. Right? I'm a Mark as well, guys. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> Kathy, who's we got? We got this guy right up front. I'm Michael from New York, and uh, my question is: There's a rumor. I don't know if it's true. It's the first part of the question that there's a room in WWE headquarters where, when you get hired, you can pick any piece of memorabilia that's like ever existed, and uh, you can have it like delivered to your your home. A is it true? And if so. What did you take? If it's true, we didn't get to do it yet. <laughs> so I would need to get there quickly. <laughs> I don't know what I'd want. Kathy, do you King know of the Ring throne right in my dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> the World Heavyweight Championship. I, mean, I, don't, I like right. that big gold belt, man, that Ric Flair used to always have. The real world, the championship. Real world championship. Kathy, do you know anything about this uh, secret merch room? You're an employee over there. Is that real? Uh, a room? They have a whole warehouse. Well, can you, but can you take stuff out of <laughs> when, it? When are we I don't think so. It just stays there. <laughs> Sir, did you read that on the internet somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It real. yeah, it's yeah. called wrestling news, Katie, and it's journalism. <laughs> wrestling journalism, Sam. Yeah. Sam, I don't want to have to argue with you on stage. Because Nikki Bella will come out. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Hey, they were asking for it earlier during the break. <laughs> let's go with who? Let's go to uh, let's go to uh, whoever Kathy's got next. We've got Edwin from Brooklyn. How you doing, guys? Um, is there uh, any particular match that either of you or both of you have watched that made you want to do this uh, for a living, as kids or you know whatever? I I got like Sting Sting versus Ric Flair. I think was a Clash of the Champions. Yeah. yeah. Way back, I, mean, I can still remember that one, man. There was a time I think Sting almost joined the Four Horsemen back in the day, and I remember as a kid I was watching it on the on the Squiggly because we couldn't afford a pay per view, and the Squiggly thing was on the TV, and I was getting into it, watching it through the like the snow on the TV or whatever. Uh, it's Sting, and I think just more in general than a match was just this like Ric Flair and like the Four Horsemen and the NWA is what I grew up watching in North Carolina. So. I was about to say that's the Carolina coming out yeah, in you because ever all us New Yorkers are like. What are you talking are you about talking right now? You're talking about Hogan? Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I grew up in North Carolina, and so I, I watched yeah. NWA stuff all the time. And so when I, when I got to go to, uh, to watch WWE stuff, I was blown away by the colors and the size of these guys. And I was like, man, they would beat up the Rock and Roll Express bad. <laughs> bad. I, I think all of them. Like, I remember the first time I saw Jake the Snake Roberts DDT somebody and then throw the snake on him. I was like, I have to do that. i got to figure out how to do that. It's amazing. <laughs> Who's up next over there, Kathy? Hey, I'm Jordan from Pennsylvania. How's it going, guys? Hello, Jordan. So, uh, now that you guys are doctors, I was just wondering, where'd you go to medical school? <laughs> the Gallows Let Organization of- for Nether Area Diseases. Like- <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that, buddy. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good pun. I went, to Morris- I went to Morris Hill College and quit to be a wrestler. Ball State. Ball State. 
Ball State is the answer. That's a great idea. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> Doctor. Wait, how, whose idea was it, by the way, you're doing the promos and everything, to actually come to the ring with the doctor jackets on? There's one man who has uh, the deciding factor in everything. Uh-huh. His name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Because I have to tell you, like, I got it when I watch later, but I do my show at night, so I watch Raw on mute while I'm doing my show, and I'm like, what did they do to the club? <laughs> like, why are they wearing that? <laughs> This is te- oh, they're making a bunch yeah. of ball jokes right before. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what we did in Japan too. It, it ties into it. We used to do whatever we we used to do whatever we want and never get in trouble for it. It just feels like we're doing the same thing. It's, oh, it's weird. But well, you might get in trouble for a little bit of this. So uh, just letting you know. that's got to be great though. That, like the moment where like you're doing this thing and then Vince likes it so much that he wants you to wear the jackets to the rig. Like, oh, you're gonna be doctors now. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> I'll be a doctor forever. I don't <laughs> Dr. Kane. <laughs> uh, we have Arnold from Brooklyn. Uh, yes, uh, this question is somewhat similar to the past question. Uh, we know. What are you asking? <laughs> we have uh, current Bullet Club members in the WWE, but can we see potential Bullet Club members in the future? I hope so. Anything can happen in the WWE universe. Yeah, I mean, I, for I, sure. You know, I, yeah. All my those I, all those guys are my friends, man. Yeah, they're all very talented, and I don't see any reason why not. So I mean, right. I can see Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and everybody coming in. <laughs> I knew that was a cheap pop. Oh yeah, it was. They were waiting for that. That's why he asked the question. Yeah. Just say Kenny Omega. <laughs> Just say the name. Kenny. <laughs> Kenny is ridiculously talented. He would be unbelievable here. The Young Bucks would be unbelievable here, and I, I hope someday it happens. You know, you never say never because look at us right now. This is we we said never. We actually said never. Right. Never say never. And by because we said never. Right. Gallows used to say never at the sponsored dinners never. in Japan. He'd say we're never going there, and I'd say well never. Maybe say we will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. And they never do, but never. but they're using. It seems like Kenny Omega and the Bucks are both using that same strategy that you guys are because all they keep excelling every time you yeah. turn around they've accomplished more yeah, and PC more will and never more die, man. I guess PC not will never die Fale, Tom, they're all great yeah. yeah yeah Kathy who do we have Frank from New Jersey all right Frank if you guys can use any manager from WWE history which guys uh, who, who would you choose Bobby the brain Heenan hands down 100% yeah. yep all right, last question. Last question, Kathy. No pressure. No pressure. Oh. Um, Matt from Long Island. All right, Matt, make it a I have a, a question good one. for uh, G1 finalist um, Carl Anderson. 2012? 2012, yeah. <laughs> um, what's, it, what's it like um, working that schedule uh, when you're wrestling once or twice in weeks in a row? And now that you're in WWE, like, now you're, doing, you're working a lot too. Is it very similar? And what's the deal with the weird patches they have on. I guess, like, when they get injured or something, they have, like, the, um, the, tape. the oh, tape on them. In not, Japan. not in Japan, yeah. Like, the brown tape on them. You know, I think it's just more of telling a story. Like, you know, I think that year that I went to the G1 final, 2012. Um, Congrats on that. Yeah, way. thank you. I, I was the only second guy in until Kenny went and won the thing. Let's think. <laughs> but, uh... I think it's telling a story. Like, if, if I beat up Nagata, you know, in the first match on his arm, he's going to sell the rest of the tour, you know? It's just kind of just it's storytelling, you know? Um, that schedule was tough, but every, every schedule we do is tough. It's, uh, you know, it's being a 
an entertainer and being a pro wrestler is, is, is never easy. And it's, it's hard. It hurts. You know, yeah, but we're living our dream. So the yeah. schedule, you know, we welcome go to new places. We yeah. just got back from Australia. We're going to China for the first time. So I think all that stuff is part of that living the dream thing. You want to go and uh, experience new places, entertain new fans, and we're getting to do what we love, so we can't complain. It's all we ever wanted to do. So this is our dream job, being here in the WWE. And let's so. be honest, you've become well-traveled men. You just looked at me and said Gaijin as if it was a thing people say. Yeah, well. It's just in your vocabulary now. It is. Well, all right, let's uh, give a round of applause. So Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Here is Sam Roberts. All right, thanks to Gallows and Anderson for being part of the show and for showing up at Caroline's and doing that whole thing. It really was a fun show, and I can't wait to, for all of you guys to see it when I put it out on video uh, on YouTube. And that'll be up at NotSam.com and, of course, YouTube.com slash NotSam. If you follow me on Twitter at NotSam by now, uh, you should. And if you do, you'll find out immediately when it's available. Uh, you know, a lot going on, of course. Backlash, Clash of the Champions is coming up. Whenever wrestling is in your hometown, you want to make sure that you get a chance to go see it. And you want the best seats possible, but also at the best value. That's why you got to look into SeatGeek. SeatGeek is so easy. I have the app on my phone, and you can use it at any moment in time to check out tickets. I was watching the VMAs. My wife is going, I want to see Beyonce in concert. Thank God for the SeatGeek app. Am I right? Everything they do is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save time and money. They give you the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value immediately. You see underpriced seats, and you'll be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. It's perfect. It's perfect. So if you want the best seat, you don't care how much you're going to pay. They'll find that for you. If you want the best deal, you don't care where the seat is. They'll find that for you. If you want to meet somewhere in the middle, SeatGeek is still the place to go. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. Get a $20 rebate on tickets to anything that you want to go to. You got to download the free SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SAM, S-A-M, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today. And enter promo code SAM, S-A-M. Trust me. Trust me. You'll be happy that you did. We also want to give a shout-out to Rolling Stone. They did an article called The Golden Age of Wrestling Podcast, uh, 18 that you need to follow. Guess who made the top 18? Prime time, baby. Sam Roberts. Uh, I thought it was really funny because, you know, they were saying nice things about the show and everything. Uh, but they said that I have a voice for radio, which... You know, generally the face for radio is the hack insult that people still use. But uh, voice for radio is a good thing. I just find it ironic that Rolling Stone is saying I have a voice for radio. Meaning, the vocal tone of what comes out of his mouth is perfect for an audible experience. I have lost radio gigs because of what my voice sounds like. So, the fact that we've gotten to a place, I feel like I've just done so much stuff. On the radio, whether it's through podcasts or through SiriusXM or whatever it is, that this is just a – in the beginning, everybody was like, that's a voice that does not deserve 
to be anywhere on the radio. But eventually, you hear it enough and you go, oh, yeah, that's what it's supposed to sound like. So thanks to Rolling Stone for pushing that forward, the idea that this is what a radio voice should sound like. I'm, uh, it's a revolutionary thought. It really is a revolutionary thought. Let's get into it. State of wrestling time. So much stuff to talk about. People returning, people leaving, general managers, brands, everything. Let's start. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. My name is Gary the Milkman, a millman, and I've got my underpants on, and I am ready to wrestle. Who gets, like, an agreement? Who's got a license to wrestle? Who gets the license before tights? Is he just thinking, like, oh, I've been criticized for watching wrestling all my life, so I feel like, you know, everybody says, what do you watch, a bunch of grown men rolling around with each other in their underpants? So that means that the milkman could just wear his underpants? I love Gary the Milkman Millman. I'm going to search for him. Tell me not. Tell me or not. Tweet me at not Sam, And you tell me if you don't think Gary the Milkman Millman would be a great guest next week here on the Wrestling Podcast. I'm going to try to find him. I haven't found him yet. All I know about him is he wears tidy whities He shows up to wrestling matches business casual and stays business casual. Um... And I guess he's a milkman by day. It's so strange. He was great. We're talking, of course, about the uh, enhancement talent that Kane choke slammed for no apparent reason on SmackDown. It kind of makes me feel like because it wasn't an actual match, because Kane just came out and choke slammed him, I kind of feel like we may have Gary the Milkman Millman callouts every week. I'd be all on board with that. That's the danger that WWE is in, though. People are so obsessed. With these enhancement talent guys. I mean, I look at the numbers, and when I had uh, 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 the original the original enhancement talent for this era on my podcast, um, the numbers matched anyone else, really. Kevin Owens did a little better, but people were excited. Excited that there was enhancement talent doing podcasts. I feel like people are so psyched that local talent is back. That they run the risk of becoming bigger stars than anybody else on the show. But still, I think Gary the Milkman Millman deserves it. Uh, I think he should be wrestling somebody in his underwear every week. I don't think at any point should he get tights. Um, And he doesn't even need to really wrestle matches. Just have guys come out. I don't care if it's Kane every week. I could see what happened on SmackDown, that segment. I could just see it every single week. I'd be fine with it. It's so weird that, like, you know, 20 years ago... That would have been a character, Gary the Milkman Millman. But he would have dressed up like a milkman, right? Number one, where are their milkmen anymore? And number two, why would they wear slacks and a shirt? Why would a, why would he call himself the milkman and have no milk? That's probably why Kane chokeslammed him. He was pissed. He's like, I'm thirsty, my bones need calcium, and you are not delivering on any of your promises, Gary the Milkman Millman. However, I actually am... The devil's favorite demon. So I will chokeslam you now. And so he did. And good. Good. If the milkman's not going to deliver, then he needs to get chokeslammed. That's the lesson that we learned from SmackDown. So, we saw the debut of Gary the Milkman Millman. I was very excited about that. The return of the headbangers. So, I was psyched that the headbangers are back. Number one, because I like the headbangers growing up. And number two, because they wore white zombie t-shirts in the ring, and I loved white zombie. 
And number two, they're still in good shape. Like, they still look like the headbangers, which is really not something you can say about a lot of those Attitude Era guys. Fact is, you put skirts and t-shirts on those guys, slap some face paint on them, and they still look pretty much the same as they did in, in, the, ni- in the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe. Um, you, I like that nobody's mentioning that, you know, there was the whole Beaver Cleavage era, and then he was just Chaz, I think, for a while, and then there was, there was they tried to do something with Mosh for a long time, and it didn't really work out, ever, but... I enjoyed seeing the Headbangers back. I thought it was... I feel like if I was in the tag team tournament... Like, the, the Headbangers are not the most decorated tag team of all time. You know, they were they were tag team champions, sure. But even in the Attitude Era, it's not like they were viewed as the most feared tag team. And so for them to come back 15, 16 years later... And, like, Heath Slater and Rhino are fighting for Heath Slater's contract... It doesn't seem like the biggest challenge in the world for them, right? I know that we're used to seeing guys like The Rock come back, where it's like, oh my god, The Rock's back, and that means anybody that wrestles uh, full-time is going to be in trouble because this guy that never wrestles can beat all of them. But most of the time, and historically, when a legend returns, the, the young guys beat them pretty easily. Actually, we'll talk about that a little more with the general manager situation, but... I'd be kind of annoyed. Like, I'm sitting there going like, okay, the Usos, American Alpha, there are a few really good tag teams, but now all Heath and Rhino have to do is beat the Hype Bros and the Headbangers, and they they got their tag title match. Doesn't seem like they're the most difficult road in the world. Um, no offense to the Hype Bros, of course, but... I mean, frankly, as happy as I was to see the Headbangers back, I still am kind of in love with my idea of having a, a Dash and Dawson show up in the SmackDown Tag Title Tournament. And it would it would do good to bring another great team to the show. Um, you know, I, I guess they don't... They want Heath Slater and Rhino to win. But I just love the idea of Dash and Dawson entering the SmackDown Tournament with the tag titles. The NXT tag titles. Saying that they're not leaving NXT. And I love the idea of them simultaneously holding the NXT tag titles and the SmackDown titles and bringing both sets of titles to both shows. Now, of course, they would have to drop the NXT tag title soon because the show's pre-taped. But honestly, have them franchise Shane Douglas it. Have them drop the titles to the floor. Let them know. Say the NXT, vacate the NXT tag titles. You know, start from scratch with the NXT tag titles. Vacate those those championships, those belts, as it were. Have Dash and Dawson throw them down, and then come back to SmackDown as the champions. I, and maybe, again, this is because I'm super high on Dash and Dawson. You know, maybe it's because I, I said that I would have drafted the Revival before I would have drafted American Alpha. And American Alpha is a great team. But... I'm just I'm I'm a big fan of what they do and I think they're so different and they're such a throwback in the best possible way that there's just a huge position for them to play and they're a team that could take what they're doing in NXT and it wouldn't get lost on the main roster it would only get better um I just I, I love what they're doing they're such a good bad guy tag team they represent all the kind of cranky old guys that are on the internet right they're like, ah, oh, this isn't wrestling. This isn't how stories are being told. It's great. 
so that's what that's it's a bummer to not see that happen. You know, I, I still think it won't be long before Dash and Dawson show up. Um hopefully in SmackDown. I think SmackDown needs them more. But um still. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Poor Vaude villains. Oh my god. I mean you just get the vibe. At some point there is just a thinking that, yeah, I mean, we'll keep them, I guess, but we don't really need them. I don't know what they're here for. Yeah, we're, I, don't, I don't see anything in the future for the Vaude villains, which sucks. I think that there could be. It's like the Ascension, right? Even the Ascension has a little bit of an identity on SmackDown. But when, when you start taking things away from superstars, right? Like when you, when you go to the Vaude villains entrance... And you just take out that big, the like when you take Smiley and his whole diatribe that he says about the vaude villains, you just kind of remove that, and then instead of giving them an entire black and white film reel talky entrance, you just give them black and white for a second, and then make them walk to the ring in full color. You're like, why are you just taking things away? But not adding anything. It'd be one thing if they took that away and then added to their repertoire. So it was like, let's back away from the character a little bit and focus more on the guys. Meaning, okay, maybe people will take you guys more seriously if we do a little less of this and a little more of this. But that's not what this is. This is just a little less of this. And then you guys will lose. (laughs) And you go, oh, man. Oh, you poor villains. I hope something works out for them, but it doesn't seem... It doesn't seem all that likely. And it's not like there are that many great tag teams. That's what I'm saying. Like, especially on SmackDown, they need that tag team division filled out. Honestly, I mean, I'll talk about it every week, about the tag team should be on one show and the women should be on another show. Because both shows need the tag team division filled out. But there is room to make, like, Breezango and to make the Villains and those teams into bigger teams. They've just decided not to do it, so... I mean, best of luck to you guys. So we saw the Headbangers return. We saw the Milkman debut. And we find out via the internet that apparently Alberto Del Rio is done with WWE. Um, I I guess I could have seen this coming. When I realized it was kind of over, it's like Alberto Del Rio did an interview while the League of Nations was still a faction. And he just told the interviewer, he's like, yeah, we'll do WrestleMania, and then I think they're going to break us up. And but, like, He's just like giving the plans for the story for these guys. And that's when I immediately go, okay, there's a man who's not fully invested in what he's doing anymore. Um, I don't know if it'll be one of those, you know, I'll call it a CM Punk AJ thing, but sometimes, uh, and it's kind of similar, right? When AJ was, would do interviews, I interviewed her. She was talking about how, like, wrestling was her life and, and it was the most important thing in the world and blah, blah, blah. And she got into this relationship with Punk. And maybe, you know, she saw some things about wrestling that she didn't really like and she ended up leaving the business. So I don't know if Paige, who has done interviews upon interviews saying, you know, this is where she wants to be. She started wrestling when she was in the womb, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if she'll leave WWE as well because her and Alberto are in a relationship. And she'll kind of wrestle around the world. I think Paige would be successful wrestling around the world. I just, you know, I I don't think, as much as you want to say about how WWE treats women, there's not nearly as, when you go on the independent circuit and you go worldwide, uh, even as a male superstar, even as a male wrestler, it's difficult. 
It becomes difficult. There's stuff out there, but it does become difficult. It's even more tough for females. There are far less spots for females outside of WWE than there are for males, just as there are inside of WWE. So that would be a tough choice. I think Paige could be successful. I just, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, she's probably bummed out because she's not getting used all that much at the moment, especially since she's suspended. But even before the suspension, she wasn't really being used that much. But it, she's young, you know, and she, maybe she could leave WWE and come back. But it's I feel like she should just stick around in WWE for a while, let this kind of wave pass, and another page wave will come, I'm sure. I'm sure. But I don't know what she's going to do. Um, Alberto, it seems like I'm not – I'm more optimistic about his move. Not to say that I don't want him around, but to say I get why he would do that because it really does seem like they always attempt to get behind Alberto Del Rio and then nothing really happens. You know, he won Money in the Bank. He won the WWE Championship. He won the World Championship. He won the Royal Rumble. Like, he's literally won everything <laughs> that a guy can win in that company. But there's still this kind of feeling about him where, yeah, if you see him in the mid-card, it's not that surprising. And maybe that's maybe he's not connecting as much as he needs to with WWE fans, and maybe it's because he gets those steps, right? Like, they'll give him the victories, but then there's no body around it. I think it probably has more to do with that. Like, he'll get the victories that he needs, but it does. you need more than just victories, right? Like, you need to have a, a, a body behind it. You need a foundation. And I feel like the work is not done to build a foundation for him ever. It's just the victories. And those feel hollow. And it almost takes away from both him and the, 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 the prize, whether it's a title or just a, a win or a briefcase or whatever it is. It takes away from all that when you don't really use it to its fullest extent. So I understand why Alberto would want to go. Um, and I think he could be plenty successful in Mexico. He could go to Japan if he wanted to. He could have a huge indie run in the U.S. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I, look, Raw is a much better show than SmackDown. It was this week anyway, and I think it was last week too. Uh, I feel like Raw is at this point where, and I don't know if it's the creative staff behind him. I don't know if maybe Triple H has his hands on Raw more and Vince McMahon has his hands more on SmackDown. I don't know what it is. But I do know that when I'm watching Raw, it almost feels like they're trying to do a make good. A lot of what's happening on Raw, not all of it, there's still some things that need improvement, but a lot of what's happening on Raw feels like what we've been looking for for a long time. Right down to the promo that opened Raw this week. When you've got all four superstars in the ring that are going to compete for the championship of the universe. And everybody is being them. You know, obviously, uh, you know, as has been pointed out, Big Cass still needs to get a little more comfortable on the microphone, but he's more comfortable now than he was before by uh, such a huge margin. Um, so that's not so much a problem. But when they get to Roman Reigns, it's like, dude, Roman Reigns should not be putting up with Kevin Owens making fun of him. Roman Reigns should not be putting up with anybody making fun of him. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, Roman, 
You do not need to get into a war of words with these people. And he doesn't. Roman finally does what we've been talking about him doing for, uh, I feel like, over a year. And that's stop talking and just hit someone. I don't think it's too little too late, but I think it is going to take a, a, a bit of a build. It's going to take some time. But I think he's on the right path. Obviously, he's going to have some bi- uh, business with Triple H right away based on the big Triple H return on Raw. But it was like Seth Rollins to watch him kind of dominate in that promo. Then Kevin Owens destroyed, as he always does. Big Cass felt new, but that's okay. And then Roman be the guy that we've always wanted him to be. You're going, this is what we've been waiting for. It's the same feeling you got when Finn Balor won the title at SummerSlam. That's one of those things that the fans want but felt like wasn't going to happen. It's like Kevin Owens winning the title on Raw. It's something the fans want but we didn't really think was going to happen. All the changes on Raw feel like there is an organized and disciplined effort to create a show that wrestling fans will like more. And they are adding elements to bring in the outside viewer, but it's like we're actually we're going to start listening to the audience. It feels like that for Raw. SmackDown does not feel as like it's got as much of a vision for it. When I watch Raw, it feels like there is a vision for this show. They know what they want this show to look feel, sound, smell like. They know what they want people to walk away from this show with. And they got a lot of time to fill. They got three hours. Luckily, they have more guys than SmackDown, and that has become very obvious, I think, over the past couple weeks. But SmackDown does not feel at all as disciplined. SmackDown feels more like a testing ground, to tell you the truth. SmackDown, throughout the weeks, I kind of feel like a lot of stuff that's being done it feels like is being done to see if it works. On Raw, the decisions that get made make me think that they're behind it 100%. When a decision gets made over on Raw, it feels like this is the direction we're moving in and we're confident in it. When a decision gets made on SmackDown, it feels like, let's see if this works. And I wish SmackDown was a little more sturdy. I wish SmackDown was a little more direct with what they were doing. The way Raw is. Raw feels direct. I mean, you know, there were a couple of segments that I had issues with on SmackDown. I did, number one, and this was just a pet peeve. This wasn't really an issue. I would have loved to have a real confrontation between Kane and Baron Corbin. Like, the way they kind of, Corbin looked at Kane as he was walking to the ring, but Kane didn't really look at him. They should have had a, a, a stopped and had a bit of a stare down <laughs> before the Dean Ambrose match, especially the way the Dean Ambrose match ended, where it's kind of uh, you know Baron Corbin didn't actually have to take the L, so it's not like you'd be taking away from that story. But immediately then it's like, and and I guess he's got the Kalisto story, but I'm very interested in a Baron Corbin Kane story, and I want to see Baron Corbin beat him. Kane's the perfect guy because Kane doesn't need to win any matches anymore. Uh, he's got he's always going to be Kane. He's always going to have that presence. He's always going to have that value. Baron Corbin beating him is going to make Baron Corbin look like an all-star. So I I do wish that more had been set up there. But the two things that I had a problem with were, number one, the way the Randy Orton-Bray Wyatt segment ended. I felt like the lights just went out. Like, it was just like, rah! Like, you didn't come back to see Randy Orton standing in a ring alone. I don't know what happened. 
Did they start a fight? Did both of them disappear? Are they going to reappear in the in the Wyatt family ranch? Or did they go to? Are they in Randy Orton's snake pit? I don't know where they are. I don't know what happened there. But Randy Orton rushed the ring, and then the Wyatt thing went Brett, and I went. I wasn't ready for a Brett. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for a Brett. I want to find out what's happening with these guys, and I didn't see what was happening with these guys. You know, you can't just, it, it, it almost felt like when you're watching SNL and a skit just ends and it becomes obvious that they had this joke in mind, but they didn't know how to end the skit. It happens all the time on that show. And that's how that segment felt to me at the end of it. When it was, what? And I went, I'm not, no, no. Randy doesn't get to disappear with Bray. That doesn't make any sense. And then also we've seen guys get crotched so many times. So many times. I feel like Shawn Michaels in the WrestleMania 10 era was the king of getting crotched. Shawn Michaels got crotched the way Nature Boy Ric Flair used to flip over the top turnbuckle. They, you know, people have been getting crotched for decades. I have never seen a man experience the temporary paralysis that AJ Styles experienced after getting crotched on that top rope. You know, and that's when it starts to like... It, it's it's weird because and it, it's happening on SmackDown. It's happening on Raw. Like the idea that lines lines are getting blurred is a good thing, and all the stuff that's been good and all the stuff that people are talking about as this like awesome thing, the Miz and Daniel Bryan, the Dudley Boys retiring, like all this stuff. And by the way, we find out now that the Dudley Boys are retiring. They already have dates booked outside of WWE when you were watching that segment, and even after the segment, going like, I think they're retired, but I don't know for sure. Like, that's what you want. Like, the idea of, like, I don't know what's real. But when, like, AJ is, is crotched and paralyzed on the top rope, that's just goofy. You can't, it, it, and I don't mind goofy spots, but to end the show with that big of a goof is like, you know, I don't know what that does for anybody. I don't know how that, I don't know how, how that helps. That doesn't, certainly doesn't make me want to buy the pay-per-view. I also don't like, and this was, and this is another pet peeve, like, those two I had real problems with. AJ getting crotched to end the show and becoming temporarily paralyzed so that Dean Ambrose could literally put his arm around him, slap him in the face, do whatever he wanted with him. I had a problem. That was ridiculous. And uh, the blah, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt thing, that was I had a problem with too. The other stuff is just pet peeves. You know, the other stuff... You you could do differently, but it was just it was just pet peeves. Um, I want to talk about the general manager situation because a lot of what was happening on SmackDown, and they're doing what I have wanted them to do for a long time, which was oh, and by the way, I do want to before I get into the general manager thing, I do need to make a public statement. I am not Americo. I got a lot of your tweets. I saw Americo get unmasked. I understand. Uh, my hair is not that long anymore, but no, I was not playing the role of Americo on Raw this week. I was doing my show on SiriusXM at the time. I couldn't have been two places at once, uh, so no. If I had been Americo, let me tell you something. Braun Strowman would not have had that easy of a win. He probably still would have had a win, but I would have gotten a little more offense in. No, I would have shown Braun the business. I promise you that. It was not me. I would have won. I would have won. Still, I love. I, I, I don't know how long they're going to do these bronze segments for, but I love them. I always love them. I think they're great. I think they're great. He could start upgrading 
one of these weeks he's going to have to fight Jinder Mahal so he can beat, you know, him. Poor Jinder. He comes back. They re-sign him. He does his thing with Heath, and he's basically being used like local talent. Now that they've brought back local talent, why do you need Jinder Mahal? You could do something. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to talk about general managers. I had... I started thinking about it this week. I wasn't thinking about it as much before. But, you know, it's interesting to see where's the Daniel Bryan Miz thing going. And we still don't know exactly where it's going, which is good. You know, who knows what the real status of Daniel Bryan is ever. But let's be honest about what's going on. So there were two confrontations. There was the Miz-Daniel Bryan confrontation last week. And this week it was made clear that Daniel Bryan cannot get face-to-face with these wrestlers anymore. He made multiple references to it on Talking Smack. He said he wasn't allowed to go face-to-face with wrestlers anymore, which makes sense. But there was another subtle confrontation. It was the stare-down that Triple H and Mick Foley had with each other. And those two things combined made me realize a problem that I have general managers and how they're being used right now you know i did an interview with edge a while back it was pretty quickly i think after he ended his career as a matter of fact i don't know that i've ever played the full interview so that's another thing tweet me at not sam if you want to hear it because i may try to find the full interview and maybe i'll play it next week so you can get a little more insight on this but i was talking to edge about whether or not he'd return to wwe in a non-wrestling role and he said that the reason he had to end his career is because the injury that he sustained, all he, would, all he has to do is get shoved and fall down wrong and he could get paralyzed. That's what he said. So he said that if there is no physical payoff, then he doesn't think that he provides enough value. He doesn't want to go in and perform a role in WWE if he doesn't have the option of getting physical. And that really is a big part of WWE, of WWE storytelling. WWE storytelling has to get paid off physically. It has to. That one of the W's stands for wrestling. You know, that's just the way these stories are told. That's what the audience wants. That's what they expect. That's what is going to satiate them. When you have general managers, we know, we've been told as an audience that for health reasons, Mick Foley And Daniel Bryan will never, ever be able to get into a WWE ring. We were not told this as part of a storyline. Because WWE is a publicly traded company and they want to be shown as taking care of their guys, it was made abundantly clear on a real level, behind the scenes, to news outlets, to whoever would report on it, that Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley would never be able to wrestle again. But they had these roles for them, right? We all know that. When we watch it, we go, there is no possibility of these two guys getting in the ring. So you tell me this then. Why would any, and I've, I talked about this with Stephanie and, and Charlotte a while back. Why would any professional fighter, professional wrestler, Take seriously the claims of a guy who is not going to be able to compete with them physically. You go back in time. 
I mean, it was all based on physical confrontation. Even when Gorilla Monsoon couldn't wrestle, he still took a Vader bomb to get him off TV. When Roddy Piper was the commissioner, how did that end? In a lingerie match with Goldust. I don't know if it was technically, it was technically a back Hollywood brawl or whatever, but a lingerie match with Goldust. When Sergeant Slaughter was the commissioner and DX kept making fun of him and making fun of his wife, how did it end? A boot camp match between Sergeant Slaughter and Triple H. Historically, when the biggest, the biggest of all time, wrestler versus boss feud happened, who was that? Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. And how did that get paid off? Multiple matches. No holes barred matches, Royal Rumble matches, cage matches, ladder matches, whatever you had to do. That's how it was pulled off. Eric Bischoff, when he was in charge of WCW, got in the ring. To see, and and Vince and Eric aren't even ex-wrestlers. I don't know, a, a, a wrestler's authority is based on their ability to physically beat you, to physically outman you. Whoever gets to be in charge of the company is the one who can beat the most people. That's why they get that shiny championship belt. Because they're better at beating people than anybody else. So I don't know why. So so I look at Mick Foley and Triple H staring each other down. And from a storyline perspective, I'm going, okay, Roman messed with Triple H last year. It led to a match at WrestleMania. If I'm the character Mick Foley, and I know that I cannot get into a fight, and Triple H is staring me down, I'm not staring back at him angrily. I'm scared of him. Honestly, Daniel Bryan as a character needs to be scared of these wrestlers. I understand that it's probably tough for him because he's, he's one of the best of all time, in my opinion. But in the position that he's in, when he can't get in the ring because his body can't handle it anymore, if we're going to accept, because we can't live in this limbo where Daniel Bryan goes, well, I could wrestle, but they won't let me. Like, then don't retire. Like, that's not a story. Like, I don't believe that because there's too much truth in it. The problem with that is there's too much truth in it. Because when I hear Daniel Bryan say, I would wrestle, but they won't let me, then I am waiting for the payoff of them to let him because he knows he can do it. Because those are the stories that were told. If Daniel Bryan can't wrestle, that needs to be taken out of the equation altogether. And when a wrestler steps up to him because he's goofing on him on Talking Smack, Bryan should be scared. If I'm making fun of a wrestler, because otherwise you become like the small kid in high school who knows, you become the small kid that has a big friend. You know the small kid in high school that makes fun of whoever he wants because he knows he has a big friend that will beat up people? Nobody wants to see that in wrestling. It doesn't work in wrestling because wrestling, the ultimate justice is what happens in the ring. The ultimate justice is the hero can prevail because he's able to beat you in the ring. So to see the general managers try to intimidate 
wrestlers in any way or talk down to wrestlers or do anything like that is like, come on, you know? Even Shane McMahon, like we know, as I said at, after SummerSlam, as is more evident as the weeks progress, Shane McMahon is going to get a Brock Lesnar match. That's where this is leading. Shane McMahon says, Brock, you shouldn't have messed with me. You have two choices. If you're the boss, you have two choices. You're either a good guy boss or a bad guy boss. And if you say, you shouldn't mess with me, then the good guy boss is going to fight you because he's got honor. If the bad guy boss says, you shouldn't mess with me, then it means he's going to screw you over and make your life difficult. If you're intimidated by a boss, it's either because they're a good guy boss who, when push comes to shove, will meet you in the ring, or it's because they're a bad guy boss and they're going to try to take money away from your family. Right? Stephanie had the ability to push around the big show in probably the most uncomfortable storyline of the big show's career because Stephanie said, you need the money and I will take it away from you. It made Stephanie evil. Daniel Bryan's not evil. Mick Foley's not evil. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's what's going to be missing from these general manager positions is that they really can't get all that involved. And I do think, as much as I love talking smack, that Daniel Bryan's role on the show is going to be changed because he can't really be a smartass to wrestlers. You can't, like, if I went on the screen, right, if I'm the host of Talking Smack, if they go, okay, Sam Roberts, we're going to take you out of the podcast world and you're going to host Talking Smack, I go, baby, both the shows are once a week. We can do both. They go, okay, we'll do both. But Tuesday nights, we need you here. I'd go, no problem. If I'm going to host Talking Smack, I'm not a smartass, right? Because look at me and look at the guy next to me. Remember when Brock Lesnar used to beat up Josh Matthews? It's great because it reminded you that he's a wrestler and he's an announcer and people need to know their position. Even if Daniel Bryan is an authority figure, he can't act as if he can defend himself because he can't because he's not going to get in the ring. So I, I, I do, I am having issues with the general manager roles knowing that these guys can't get in the ring. And that's, that, that's what occurred to me when I watched, you know, Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Daniel Bryan has to buckle to The Miz. And The Miz should taunt him about it. The Miz should say, oh, you're not so tough now, are you, Daniel? Because you can't do it. And, you know, sucks for Daniel Bryan, but that's it. And, you know, Mick Foley can't step to Triple H as a character. I think he's got to step down. I mean, what's he going to do? Especially Triple H, he's the boss of the company. He's got his integrity, but Mick knows that he can't get in the ring. Daniel knows he can't get in the ring. So unless that changes, I think that that is a big hurdle to get over. We're used to storytelling being done a certain way, but we have to keep in mind now that the payoffs are different. Storytelling was done a certain way because we didn't have situations where injuries prohibited guys who look healthy from getting in the ring. If this were 20 years ago... Number one, Daniel Bryan would be wrestling every single night. And number two, Mick Foley would still maybe get in there, especially now that he's lost all the weight, for one more match. But it's not 20 years ago. And we know much more about health than we did then. And WWE is not going to let that happen because they're a publicly traded company. So if we know that's not going to happen, I do think that it's going to take away a little bit 
from their ability to tell stories in the proper way. All right. Well, that's what's uh, that's what's going on. Let me check my uh, little notes and see if I missed anything that I really want. Of course, a lot of stuff happened. Kevin Owens, by the way, anybody, I'm as I said at the top of the show, I'm so glad that he's champion. He deserves to be champion. Look, anybody saying that Kevin Owens physically doesn't look like a champion or whatever needs to keep in mind that this is not 95 anymore. UFC and stuff like that has changed the way people look at fighters. Nobody sees, oh, bigger muscles means you win. Because people watch these guys fight MMA and see these dudes who don't even look like they're in great shape, who know Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and they're like the greatest fighters in the world. So the fact that Kevin Owens, all Kevin Owens needs to do is stay as athletic as he is because he's incredible to watch and maintain his ability to attract people to him with his words. That's the key. Everybody's going, uh, the critics are saying things like, well, you know, when Kevin Owens on GMA, what are people going to think about wrestling? People are going to think, I'm interested in this. Number one, they're going to first look at him going, that's the WWE champion. And the minute he opens his mouth, he's going to intrigue people because that's what he does. He's really, really good at it. And then when they see him in the ring, they're not going to question it anymore. People are saying the same stuff about Daniel Bryan. The same exact things. They're going, oh, I don't think so. He doesn't look like this. He doesn't look like that. But guess what? The minute he spoke, it was like, okay, I'm interested in this guy. People looked at him and said his promos were bad. Based on what he looked like. You know, we don't live... You talk about wrestling reflecting society. We don't live in a society anymore where people like the idea of looks reflecting uh, uh, the way people act or are or think or anything like that. And that comes forward in wrestling. And there are these examples that make it true. You know, And Kevin Owens is one of them. And Daniel Bryan is one of them. Kevin Owens absolutely has the ability to go on any talk show and make WWE look good. Make any... WWE, uh, make any talk show and make WWE look good because he can talk really well. You heard him on the podcast last week. People were tweeting me saying it was the best wrestling podcast they'd ever heard. Take that, Rolling Stone. I don't know if you were listening to the podcast in order. Maybe mine goes up a couple notches, huh? I'm just kidding. I was very happy with where we were. Um, I don't even think it was in order anyway. But, but, um, that wasn't because of me. That was because of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens has the ability to talk like he does, wrestles like he does, and he's got an everyman quality that people enjoy. So, you know, I think he's an amazing choice. I think he can do everything a champion can do. And I can't wait to see how this thing uh, uh, starts to unfold. I'm very, very excited about it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Tweet me and let me know if you want to hear that Edge interview next week. And uh, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.